You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and in life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, former executive director, and best-selling author of the book, Changemaker Ripple Effect, all about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support and mindset. And actually, you're going to hear a lot about that from our guest today. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Today, we're going to be joined by Kristen Marquet. Now, Kristen is a well-known celebrity publicist, a publicist, and the publisher, editor-in-chief, and creative director of FemFounder.com, a spin-off media company she launched in 2017 to specifically help female entrepreneurs plan launch and scale their businesses. She is also the owner of fashion magazine, Enixi, which is a lifestyle and fashion magazine for those of us 35 plus. She's a Pinterest expert. And on top of that, she serves as the owner, well, she is the owner and creative director of the creative studio, Marquette Media. Media. Wow, clearly I've been talking too much already. She is the author of three books. Her newest release is From Nameless to Notable, How to Gain Influence, Establish Authority, and Reach Expert Status in Your Niche or Industry. We're going to learn more about that. And she's contributed to Forbes.com, Inks.com, and Entrepreneur.com. On top of that, Kristen is a runner. She's an endurance runner. And because she lives in New York, out of the city, She's still able to get in a few miles. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how to work with the media, how to build brand awareness, why scripted sucks, what she means when she says that, and how when failure tried to keep her down, the battles she fought to become the success she is today actually were the challenges that served as motivators, not hindrances. So with that, let let me welcome our guest, Kristen Marquette. And Kristen, it's good to have you on the show. And I want to give you a heads up before I let you get going here and we have our conversation. I want to ask you if there is one non-negotiable or habit you do daily that keeps you focused and headed where you want to go. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me today. Um, it's an honor to be here. Uh, actually, it's a great question. And I would say um, actually waking up the same time every morning. Um, I'm an early riser and I go to sleep early. (laughs) It's just the nature of the way that I work and, um, I'm most productive in the morning. So that's my non-negotiable. And as I get older, 
um, I'm just getting up earlier and earlier and going to sleep earlier and earlier. <laughs> so that makes me feel good because when someone says, well, do you want to, let me give you a call tonight around 9.30. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? I am not going to be useful to you at 9.30. Let's chat tomorrow about 5.45 a.m. <laughs> yep, exactly. I don't get a lot of takers on that. <laughs> don't know why. So I'm curious. Let's start with... Um, Let's start with something that made me laugh when you said it, when we were tech, checking on tech and getting ready today is, tell me why scripted sucks. Let's just start there. Okay. Nobody wants to hear somebody give a rehearsed speech unless it's the president um, or some other you know, international figure. Uh, organic, natural and just being authentic in all of your communication is critical to building a brand that's going to connect with your exact target audience. And that's really what it comes down to. So whether you're scripted on a podcast like this, or you're scripted, you know, and you have to go, you're doing an interview on television or radio, um, it's good to have an outline or a format of what you want to talk about. But rehearsing every single word, it's really going to lead to disaster because listeners, viewers are going to be able to tell that you're full of it. Um, So you want to be genuine, you want to be authentic, and you don't want to sound rehearsed or sound like a robot. So the ability to be unscripted, in my mind, requires that you actually feel confident in what you're going to say and you can pivot and address different things. Um, It's not being unprepared. So being unscripted does not mean just show up. Correct. I absolutely agree with you. Yep. Well, I'm testing it because then I want to go into how you help women. You know, you talk specifically about helping female entrepreneurs gain influence and credibility. Is part of that, let's just start, like I come to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm an entrepreneur. Obviously, I already meet the qu- criteria of being a female. Um, <laughs> where would we even start when I said, Kristen, help me? I'm not sure how to establish credibility or you know any of the presence that I need. Okay, that, that's a great question. And it really comes down to where you want to go and what your objectives are. If you are looking to raise money for investors, from investors, that's one thing. If you're looking to get customers online, that's another thing. If you want to um, try and attract and retain some of the best talent, that's a whole other thing. So you really ha- it, it all starts off with defining what your objectives are. And then once you know exactly what they are, then you can put together a plan to move you to point A to point B. Um, and that's usually done, you know, on an internal side uh, or internally. And but then when you start marketing yourself or you start any publicity campaign in all your communication, you want to be authentic and you want to show who you really are. If that makes sense, it does make sense. So let me take it up. Let's say I'm a business. So it's not, I'm just not a single person, but it's me and my business, my team, right? And I want to talk to donors. Is there a typical thing they're looking for, especially now, right? So I assume I'm running a nonprofit and with all that's going on, 
are donors looking for something specific now so that they want to stay with me as my organization that I'm trying to secure and keep going? Absolutely. And in this specific case, it it, it comes down to making sure that your values align because we're in such an emotional uh, time right now. And any organization, any nonprofit organization that is trying to raise funds for, you know, um, hunger or for frontline workers or anything like that, uh, in terms of finding your donors, you want to make sure that your message is clear and that your values align. You know, you want to be targeting the people that believe in what you're trying to raise funds for. Do you see that as often a stumbling block where folks like they have this message, they put it out, but they're not speaking to the people who are aligned? It's just a broadcast kind of? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times. And this is actually just, this is across the board. This just isn't in the nonprofit world. So many times entrepreneurs, they'll take one pitch. I'm giving you a very concrete example so that you have some context. But so many entrepreneurs and even PR firms do this, larger PR firms, they'll take one pitch letter um, trying to promote a product or trying to raise funds for a cause or launch a new company or hire the right person or announce the the, um, hiring of uh, an executive team member and they send one pitch out to 5,000 different media. Not good. Every single publication has a different readership. There might be overlap in terms of demographics, but the the best way to get results is being very targeted, being very strategic, and picking, you know, 10 to 15 different publications and writing pitches that will help generate or help start that dialogue with a journalist or an editor or producer. And then hopefully that will turn into media coverage, but really at its core, you have to be very specific and you have to make sure that your message matches the tone and the style of the audience that you're trying to reach. If you're okay with that, let's stay with that example. Cause I think it's a really solid one. Um, and we can, it has context. So I've picked my 15 whether they're funders or magazines, right? They're all people I want to get in front of. Um, Do folks underestimate the time it takes to build the relationship before they start selling? And I'm using selling in air quotes, but, you know, pitching something? Absolutely. Um, You know, they, they get overwhelmed or they get discouraged if an editor doesn't respond you know, after the first or second contact, um, it takes a long time to build relationships with the right stakeholders or the right media in this case. Um, but once you do have that relationship, you become that go-to source for that editor for whatever story they're going to be writing. So for instance, a client of mine is a psychotherapist. Um, We've been working together for four years, four and a half years, whatever it's been. And, you know, it had taken a year 
about a, a year to 18 months to build relationships with the editors from Bustle and BuzzFeed and Thrive and the Huffington Post and Forbes and Oprah Magazine. Um, but now, since that client has given s- s- such valuable content or commentary or expertise, um, she's become that go-to person. If a store, if an editor is running a story or needs a source on anxiety, high functioning anxiety and all these different, um, scenarios. And, um, it's actually, even though it's taken time, you know, up to 18 months to build those relationships, it's worth its weight in gold because she is their go-to now. And, um, that's, not unusual. Um, that's what I try and do for all my clients. That's why, you know, they're with me (laughs) for as long as they are. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, um, giving an editor, journalist, producer, the information they need to make their life easier, um, or make their jobs easier. So it is about really learning about them and serving them, not thinking about, well, hey, I need this magazine to get me out there, or I need this donor to bail me out or whatever. Exactly. Their needs. Exactly. Because at the end of the day, nobody really cares, you know, about you per se. It's about what your story or your product, you know, or your knowledge can do to help benefit their readership or you know, they're donors. So in, in, you know, the second example that we're talking about. Yeah, I think that's important, Um, especially when you think about anybody who's starting something, you know, and so you're really catering to female entrepreneurs. There's that sense, especially from everything we hear, like, okay, you'll be an overnight success and I'm six months to X figures or whatever. I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but that, but building the relationship and building the relationship because sincerely you do care that their readers do get what they want in, in that example of your psychotherapist, right? Absolutely. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's really about the journalist, what you can offer to their readers and how you're going to make their lives easier. So, how do you work um, with the media? In that, so say that there's a promo coming up, right? And you want, is it the same thing or is it different than like going to, and when I'm saying the media, I'm thinking like more of the radio, television, whatever, podcast types of things so that um, you can get your organization or your startup out there versus a magazine where you can write and communicate that way. Well, you know what? Take for us, for, for instance, I reached out to you. Um, <laughs> to get, you, you know, for this very spot right now. Yeah, but um, you know what? You made it easy. <laughs> well, you made it interesting. First of all, you made it interesting. I'm interested in what you talk about and who you are. And then I'm thinking, oh, well, that was thoughtful lover. Oh, thanks. But it's, it's really being able to deliver value on the back end. But the front end, when you're approaching television producers, radio hosts, podcast hosts like yourself, the best point of contact is usually email. Um, There are certain times where Twitter, Instagram may be appropriate or even LinkedIn. I'm a little hesitant to use LinkedIn for reaching out to 
the, the media, but in terms of the, the vehicle or the way to communicate, um, email is completely fine. Uh, you don't want to do telephone. You don't want to pick up the telephone until you have a relationship with an editor, because I'm going to say 95% of the time, um, that media pro is going to hang up on you because they don't know who you are, you know, when they get 500 calls a day and, you know, a thousand pitches a day. Well, and if you think about it, email is efficient because you can say, here's why I'm reaching. Here's what I can offer. And you've already given them a way to reach back to you, right? Exactly. So um, it saves a lot of headache. You know, I'll have people text me. I'm thinking, really, could you shoot me an email? Because I'm not transcribing your text. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, side note, but when did it become okay to text colleagues or clients? Um, it's not. It's unprofessional. I think it shows a lack of respect. And I would never do that unless it was a friend, you know. But I like you clients even better. aren't friends. <laughs> Well, I text. I do. I will give people my direct text before we go live on a podcast case there's technical, right? Okay. I mean, yeah, but that's it. You know, right. yeah, your you're point, not... my friends have my phone. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, or FaceTime or Skype right. or, you know. <laughs> so scripted does suck sometimes, but that's just the down and dirty of it. And the truth of it is the folks who reach out and make it very clear to your point, are the ones I, if even if I can't get back, I will save them and I'll, I'll somehow code them. So I'm going, oh, not now, but that's someone to follow up on, right? They'll be great. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let's, so part of that then comes down to, again, convenience and serving the media, whoever that is, and being ready, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. So talk us to a little bit more about brand awareness and will you define what brand is? For yes. folks, because it gets confusing <laughs> sometimes. What the heck is a brand? Right. So it's essentially the notion or the idea that any consumer or any stakeholder has about your company. And it extends all the way down to your consumer touch points, right? To everything from your website to your logo to your customer service to, uh, I mean, a, a brand is kind of like the, the image side of a company. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say to me, hey, Chris, you know, I want a brand refresh. Will you design my logo or will you give me a new logo? And I'm like, no. I'm like, you want a brand refresh? I mean, we got to start from the bottom or we got to start from the, the very beginning and work our way out. So it would be internal communications, employee programs, employee training, retention. I mean, anything that has to do with how a a company is perceived is a brand. Well, the perception also then has to live in the DNA of the company then. Because when you're starting about internal communications, all of that, it's hard to fake. You can fake a logo, you can fake an image. It's hard to fake a culture. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. And the bigger you are, the more disjointed and fragmented, you know, the organization is. And I think people can pick that up, even if we don't have the words for it. You know, like I was recently at a store 
And this guy has been at this store for years. And it's one of the stores that's now deemed essential. But they've had to make massive changes to make it safe for people to be there, right? So this guy's out there, I'm thinking, with all of this, you know, he's got his mask on and doing all this thing. He's still the same, though. He's going, hey, any, he goes, anybody over 60? He's like making a party over it, right? You come with me. and But that's how that store works, right? And it's all about making it easy and convenient. But they also took a lot of precautions for their staff. So. Absolutely. That part for me, I'm going, okay, that's consistent, right? Mm -hmm. Here are their team. And here's this dude who's been this way under normal conditions. He's awesome, right? I'm thinking, you made my Sunday when I had to be out. So, But it really is that feeling and all the guts of it, right? Absolutely. I do want to talk about your book. And um, what was the inspiration for writing your book? It, that, that's an interesting question, but the inspiration was pretty much taking all of my knowledge about branding and publicity and how to tie it to social media and how to leverage it um, so that you can get even more brand awareness or you can market your business even that much more effectively. But the inspiration for it was... It actually came out of the Femme Founder brand. Femme Founder was founded. <laughs> There's a lot based of <laughs> based on you know the the thousands of questions that I would get from friends and students and existing entrepreneurs and prospect uh, existing clients and prospective clients. And I just said, you know what? I said, let me just do a brain dump here and. That's how I started the business. That's how I started that brand. So basically people were asking and you were fixing Absolutely. it. Yep. Yep. Here's the fix for what you what ails you. Exactly. Exactly. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. Your book is Going from Nameless to Notable and How to Gain Influence, Establish Authority, Reach Expert Status in Your Niche or Industry. Um, Just pull that apart a little bit. We've been talking about bits and pieces of it already. Um, What is the difference between authority and visibility? Okay. So authority is like credibility. It's people actually taking you seriously and actually believing what you have to say. Whereas visibility is more of getting your brand seen or getting seen by people, not just the media or not just by one target demographic. It's by people in general or consumers in general. You're not saying you're getting the authority, but you're not necessarily getting expert status except within your niche or industry, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And is that a stumbling block? I mean, obviously, if you wrote about it, people are having problem with it. What is the, what's the trouble there? Okay. So, so many entrepreneurs try to be everywhere. They try to be everything to everybody, try to cater to a million different industries. You know, I... Myself did that when I launched my first business, you know, 11 plus years ago. But um, it's, and they, they think that if they niche down too much, 
they're not going to have enough market share or they're not going to have enough customers to actually make a viable and profitable business. But that's as long as you do your research. And I know that it sounds so theoretical or abstract, um, but truly, if you do your market research and you figure out where your product or service will fit in the market, you will have, you'll be able to build a loyal customer base. It's really that simple. So I always suggest entrepreneurs, I don't care if they're, you know, an attorney or um, a service provider or a bar. I mean, pick one or two niches, cater to them, become the dominant force or voice in that niche, and then you can move on. But it's really about being targeted. Unless you're Coke or Pepsi or Apple and you have billions of dollars to spend on advertising and marketing, it's not going to happen. You've got to be smart. You've got to be strategic and you have to spend your money wisely. So that seems like it is counterintuitive to what people do, right? It's like, I don't want to miss out on something. So mm-hmm. I'll go for everything and you end up with nothing. <laughs> nothing. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Will you talk about being an um, endurance runner? Because when I read that about you, I'm thinking, <laughs> I so admire people who love to run. And look, she does endurance running. What yeah. crazy gal. No, I mean, well, it's, <laughs> I'm not very athletic, ask my husband. <laughs> but when it comes to running, that's, well, running and dancing point. Those are like my two, two strong suits. But, you know, I mean, when the weather is actually conducive to, to being outside and running, you know, I like to do long, you know, six, 10 mile runs, you know, at least once a week, just to kind of clear my head. And, you know, um, the runner's high is, is a true thing. Um, it takes a little while to get there, but once you're going, it's like, you just keep on going. Um, in terms of training, I mean, I have so many tips. Um, you know, I can talk for five hours about <laughs> to get started running. Well, let's give some tips. Like you and I were speaking before we went live, depending upon where you are in the world, but just in the U.S., there are different um, restrictions in place, being lifted, whatever. And for folks who are getting like itchy and saying, I want to start running, but I don't know how to start running, just give a couple of sane tips. Okay. Um, Well, I'm going to give you three basic tips Perfect. that all re- runners need to start with. Make sure you buy the right shoe. You don't have the right shoe, the right brand. Your knees are going to be out of line. Your hips are going to be out of line and you're going to be in a ton of pain. Make sure you get the right shoe. Try them all. You know, I mean, I have been through five different brands and now for my feet, uh, the Nike Lunar Glide are the only ones that work. Um, that'll probably change in a couple of years, but don't be afraid to try out different brands. The other thing is don't expect to run a five or six or seven or even a 10 minute mile. If you haven't run in years or you have never run, start off intervals, walk quickly, jog in between, work up to being able to run one mile at once. Um, and then you can increase your time, but for beginners, 
like I said, baby steps, and then you can work up to being able to run. Um, the other thing is that is so overlooked. Make sure you stretch. Sounds so stupid and so funny. You were going to say that. No, I'm- but you, but you gotta, and you gotta stretch properly. You know, I mean, there are times where I still, you know, get shin splints. Um, it's because I didn't stretch properly and idiot me, you know, I should have known better. You know, I've been doing this, see, for 30 years now. Um, so it, it's really just a matter of making sure that your muscles are warm and they're primed and, you know, you're not going to hurt yourself. Okay. So, so those, those are my three tips. tips. Yeah. Shoes. Very basic. Yep. Shoes, realistic intervals as you're learning, mm-hmm. stretching. Yep. Okay, and I'm going to throw in hydration in there somewhere along. The yes, way. that's my yes. that's my big key right now. People, <laughs> who I don't feel well. I annoy the heck out of people. Really? What was the last time you had anything to drink? Right. Exactly. <laughs> I have a oh. headache. Hmm. Have Have you had water lately? Right. Exactly. Uh, you might want to lay off the coffee. You know, you might want to lay off the water. Oh no, say that ain't so. <laughs> no, the rule is you can have coffee, but you've got to match it or exceed it with water. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. That's me. Exactly. That's my allowance for myself. But <laughs> I appreciate that. And I'm laughing about the stretching because I learned that always a little late. This is an off the wall question. How long do your running shoes last before you have to replace them? Um, it depends on the type of runner that you are and where your pressure points are in your feet. But mine usually like once a year, you know, when I was doing a lot of endurance running, you know, running like six days a week and, you know, running five, six miles a day, you know, I mean, they would last like four months, but now usually I, I would say that the safe number would before having to get a new pair in terms of mileage is in between 250 and 300. Yep. And you know, if you're wearing really good shoes for you, that adds up. <laughs> Once you hit that <laughs> Oh, yeah. And you know what? It's going to add up on not having to get knee and hip replacements. Too. <laughs> That's how you notice. I'm not a runner, but I walk and I notice I'm thinking, man, what's up with my hip and my knee? Man, they haven't hurt me like this for ages. I'm in put not getting ready to run or walk. And I, my dog brings me my shoes, right? Well, he hands them to me. I'm going, those aren't the right shoes because he handed to me sole first. And I looked at him. I'm going, what? I suppose... <laughs> you just got those shoes. I go about four months ago. And he goes, and then I did up my mileage. Like how far have I walked? I was like 300 miles. So holy moly, girl. (laughs) So that's why I'm wondering, do you get better results out of your running shoes? So you're about the same mileage. Yeah. No, no. (laughs) I mean, not unless you know you're running on air and that's (laughs) then there would be no shin splints. Exactly. Kristen, I want to come back to why we're actually on the podcast besides having a good time and um, talking to you in general. Just wrap up by talking about each of your businesses succinctly because I want people to understand where to find you and what they're looking for in each of those places. Okay. Okay. We'll have links to everything. So don't worry about all that stuff. Okay. So Marquee Media is the the one-to-one um, consulting slash agency, um, where I work with very high level clients. You know, I only work with three or four at a time. 
because they're only 24 hours in a day. <laughs> so that's where people can find me if they need one-to-one consulting, coaching, whatever, in the PR, branding, and social spaces. Fem Founder is, is kind of more for everybody in terms of being able to get actionable tips. You know, we publish articles, we do interviews. I mean, we do pretty much everything that will help small business owners or entrepreneurs kind of move from point A to point B um, that want to hit that first $50,000, even that first $100,000. And then Enixi is just kind of my fun passion project that really talks about, you know, like my favorite brands and um, just... Letting women that are 35 plus um, that it's okay to be stylish uh, without really needing to break the bank, you know, because I find that so many women, you know, mature women like me um, are afraid to wear, you know, page denim jeans or, you know, buy a pair of Christian Louboutins um, because they think that they're a, going to be too high-end or too expensive. B, they're never going to wear them. Or C, you know, they're made for 20-year-olds when that's not the case. So um, that's kind of what that brand is about. And like I said, it's more of a passion project than anything. Well, you light up a bit when you talk about it. So that, <laughs> that's fun. <Right. laughs> I love to see that. I'm like, oh, that sounds very interesting. Because look at her face light up when she talks about <laughs> that. So folks, um, you can tell from Kristen that she's very approachable, very real. This totally was not scripted, and as you could tell. And um, But I do want to encourage you to check out the book, From Nameless to Notable, How to Gain Influence, Establish Authority, and Reach Expert Status in Your Niche or Industry, and listen to that piece of niche or industry. It's a hard-learned lesson. <laughs> And Kristen, thank you so much for being a guest. It's just been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.